All right, last week we started uh, down this road of knowing the Savior and making him known. And we wanted to take, uh, that's our, our vision, our mission statement. We wanted to take a look at that. Last week we spent, you know, the whole sermon pretty much on knowing the Savior. And uh, today we're going to talk about growing in the Savior. That's, that's going to be part two of that, growing in the Savior. And I have selected a text uh, today of 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 8, 18 rather. And I think this is a, a great uh, text for us. And I want us, I want us to, let's, let's read this together in fact today. Let's read this together as a congregation. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Lord, this is your word for us, and I do pray now, God, that you would use it in all that we would do, O God, and that you would apply this word to our hearts and to our lives. May this word not return void, but may it fulfill the purposes for which you now send it. This we would pray now in Christ's name, amen. Well, as we begin today, the sermon, of course, Growing in the Savior, I was going to start off with a little bit of a story about our earlier years when Gloria and I had built a home before, this was before I went to seminary, we had purchased an acre lot out at Lincoln Lakes, and we had moved out there, and we had built a home out there, and it was relatively, you know, there was nothing growing out there, it was just a few houses at that time. And uh, we went out there, and then I remember my first major project in Lincoln Lakes uh, was to plant a bunch of trees. And I worked diligently on that. And I, man, I was, I was really invested, planted all those trees. And then I remember coming in and feeling maybe a little bit of pride that, you know, I got all this, this big job done. And I had my wife, Gloria, I said, Gloria, look at that, look at that accomplishment. And, you know, usually she's very supportive. But I, I must admit that there may have been a little bit of mocking in the voice, maybe. What did you, what did you call those trees, Gloria? They look like pencils. And by the way, if you can't see her, she's holding up a pencil in the back. They look like pencils. You could barely see them, all right? You know, I was crushed, but I got over it. And now, if you drive out to Lincoln Lakes and look at the home that we had had many, many years ago, guess what? From the road, you can't even see the house. Why is that? All the trees. All the trees. And this idea, this idea of growth. And I'm going to make the case today that when we think about growth, when we think about a scripture like that, and there's tons of other scriptures just like that that speak of growth, that we need to have in our mind a couple of things as we think about growth. And what I wanted to do today, real simple, let's answer three questions about growing in the Savior. And I hope that these are questions you may be thinking about right now, but let's answer three questions about growing in the Savior. What does that look like, and what does that mean for our lives? Okay, so question number one. This is, should be the one that, on your mind. First of all, I mean, just a typical question. Okay, why grow, Pastor? Why should I be concerned about growing? Why should I care about growth? All right, three ideas I want to build upon. Number one is this. When we think about everything we do in life, in every endeavor we have in life, what is one of the goals, like in 99% of the time, what's one of the goals? What do we want to see happen? We want something to what? Grow. Anna Anderson, are you, are you working with any seeds right now or anything, getting things kind of ready? Why, why are you working with seeds? What do you do with those seeds? You plant. Now, if you plant those seeds, what do you expect to happen? Growth. There's a lot of you out there, like plants and flowers and vegetables and trees. You plant things and they're small, and what do you come to do? You come to expect them to grow. Everything we do in life is based upon that, pretty much. 
We, we, we want to grow. Those of you guys here, and I know some of you guys, I can tell by looking, you're kind of buff. You're at the gym, you're working out, you're exercising, all right? Why are you doing that? So you can shrink down in your arms, shrivel up, or do you want to be able to flex those biceps? Colin Kerwald, huh? See, we, we want to get bigger. We want to grow. That's, that's the way that it goes. That's, that's part of our natural life that we desire to see that, that growth. We plant a tree for shade. We plant a vegetable garden so we can uh, reap a harvest of, of, of uh, vegetables. All right? Hannah and Thane. Thanks for sitting in the front row. You guys are brave. You got a couple beautiful boys there. They're great, aren't they? Now, what would happen if I said the rest of their lives are going to stay just that size and just that level of maturity forever and ever? How would you feel about that? Not good, not good. Why? And it's not that, not that Thane doesn't love his kids, right? But what's the purpose? What do we want to have happen? All of you, even when those with little children here today, it's so good to see babies with us. And as cute as babies are, as cute as Tessa is today, we don't want Tessa to be in diapers the rest of her life, right? Can I get an amen, Laura? Amen. We want, we want those babies to grow. That's natural. So I want to say today that part of what we do just all of life is the idea that we want to see things grow, all right? It's also not only the example of life, it's also the example of Scripture. And we can go through Scripture, and we're going to see a ton of places where we see individuals uh, talked about for growth. And one of the ones that I, I love, of course, is Samuel, little boy Samuel, uh, called of God and it talks about how Samuel grew uh, as a prophet and again it talks about how he grew in his knowledge and favor of the Lord that idea of growth and growing when John the Baptist came along Luke chapter 1 verse 80 talks about how John the Baptist ministered out in the wilderness and he grew in the ways of the Lord Paul in Acts chapter 9 it says he, he was confounding the Jews and he was growing in knowledge of the Lord. That idea, again, of growing all the way through Scripture, we see that. And of course, you know, maybe, maybe if you're still not convinced that that's the example of Scripture, why don't we go to Luke chapter 2? Maybe that'll help us a little bit. Luke chapter 2, of course, is going to deal with the part of the birth narrative of Jesus. And Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says this, and this is a reference to Jesus. It says, The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in knowledge and the grace of God was upon him it's interesting because that verse talks about growing and becoming strong physically but it also talks about increasing in wisdom and we would see Jesus in his humanity yes he is the son of God but in his humanity growth was something that occurred in his life verse 52 it says and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men Again, we see this image of growth in Jesus' life. And maybe it's fair to us to think that, you know, if Jesus grew, maybe that's a good model for us, that we, that we too should be growing. So we have the example of life. We have the example of Scripture. And then I would leave you with this thought. Why grow? Because of the command of Scripture. It's something that Scripture desires and commands for us. Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at some of this already today, but it's so important. Notice what it says. Until we all attain to the unity of faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are to no longer be children tossed about here and there by waves and carried about by every mind wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to what? We are to grow up, <laughs> grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So this, this, this is a wonderful text speaks about this idea of coming to a mature knowledge, becoming a mature man. And when scripture speaks of a man, it means, it means women as well, that we are to grow until we are to be mature, we're to be growing. And the idea is that we are to grow up in all respects, in all aspects. So we would see here throughout scripture, both in its example and its command, that growth is not an option. So I would pray today that you and I and all those that would listen online, that we would be convinced that it is not sufficient that we merely say, yep, I'm at the same place this year as I was last year. I'm just the same as I was six weeks ago. We are to be particularly spiritually. We are to be a people that are growing and that we would continue to grow day by day, moment by moment. So that's, that's number one, why we hope that you're convinced we need to grow. Why to grow? Life, the example of life, the example of scripture, and by the way, the command of scripture. Those are all reasons that we are to be growing. So answer number one, why grow? Answer that. What would be the second question that would be fair of us to ask today? Thinking about grow, growing in the Savior. Question number two, I think we need to ask ourselves is this, how do I grow? That's a good question, isn't it, to ask pastor? Okay, pastor, you've convinced me. I need to grow. How do I do it? What, what, is, what does it look like? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time. I'm going to highlight several ideas here. And a lot of these you're going to know already. You're going to say, oh, I got that. But I'm going to begin today by something that maybe we don't think about enough. And I think that the, one of the keys to growth is that we recognize that any growth that occurs in our lives, any, any growth that, that we attain to, ultimately and finally isn't our own. <laughs> Whose growth is it? It's God's. And we need to recognize that God produces the growth. God is the source of growth, which he calls us to via, by the agency of the Holy Spirit. And I would use this text, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is an example of that. Paul is writing here and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. I love that phrase, God causing the growth. So we begin this thing idea of, of how do I grow? We recognize, first of all, that it is God who causes the growth. Let's give credit where credit is due. God causes the growth. But I think now when we go back to that question, how do I go? We acknowledge that God causes the growth. But we would also recognize that in a text such as Philippians 2, verses 12, 13, and 14, where it uses a phrase, very interesting phrase, it talks about, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that's not a verse that tells us anything about works righteousness. But I think that's a verse that speaks to us about this idea of growing in the Lord and the labor, the work uh, that is invested. Now, we acknowledge God is the source of that. God is the source. However, we also acknowledge 
that once that begins to work on our life, we have an opportunity to partner with him. We, if you, I can use the word, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Or we reject the Holy Spirit or we restrict the Holy Spirit. But we have that opportunity. We have uh, that, that, that place to come to to recognize our responsibility in this too. That yeah, God is doing the work, but we have a responsibility too. And our responsibility, of course, is to cooperate uh, with God and with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I grow? We, God just didn't drop this on us and say, you gotta grow, and then leave us to our own means. This is really important. I believe scripture outlines some very definitive, I would call divinely appointed means by which we are to grow. So God doesn't just say, call you to grow and then say, figure it out on your own. Doesn't do that. He's very specific. He clearly defines, I think, some ways by which we are to grow. What would be way number one? And what do you think pastor would fall to first? Probably the most important thing about growth. If we seek to grow in the Lord, what is one of the most importantly, divinely uh, given means to grow? Most of you are holding it in your hands. Right there. Thank you. A Bible. It's God's word. The scriptures, Old and New Testament. And, and I would say this today, and you've heard me harp on this all the time. If, if we would call ourselves Christians but refuse to spend time in the Word, let me guarantee you this, you are starving to death as a Christian, all right? You are starving yourself to death. God's Word is the way by which Christians come to be nourished spiritually. And we need to be about God's word. That, that's so important to us. So I implore you, as I do almost every week, be in the word of God. And I, I don't care if you follow one of those Bible plans or not. I don't care if you're reading the Bible in a year or not. What I care about is what? Read the word. <laughs> Read the word. And the word will cause growth in your life. What's, what's closely associated with the Word of God? The Word of God and what? What's, next, what's pastor going to say next? What is he going to say? Prayer. Very good. You're going to say prayer. The Word of God and prayer. <laughs> and again, I would say that if we call ourselves Christians <laughs> and yet do not allow opportunity to be in the Word of God and to pray, we, <laughs> we're, we're spiritually starving to death. Those are ways by which God allows us to, to grow. He calls us to grow through scripture and through prayer. And then I think, and I'm not just going to toot pastor's horn here or any pastor's horn, but I do believe that God has ordained the means of preaching and teaching as ways of growth. You're, you're going to grow today, some manner, shape, or form. And I recognize there's some of you today right now are probably just bored stiff and just want to look back at the clock and think, how much longer do I got to suffer through this? But the point is, is that God uses preaching and teaching to speak to our hearts. He uses his word as it's taught, as it's preached, as it's sung. And I have an example I'm going to use today. I'm, I'm glad that this young man is with us today. I'm going to use you today, Jacob. You told me I could. Remember? Jacob Crone is sitting back there. How old are you, Jacob? How old? Seven. Ten. So I thought, I thought you said 11. I thought, no, I think 10. All right. 10 years old. Okay. So a couple weeks ago, Jacob sends me this, this email and he says, I have come to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
And then he gives me this whole list of stuff that he wants to do for the church and get involved in. And of course, man, I'm just ecstatic. Praise God. But I wanted to talk to him. So I called him and talked to him and he came in. And I said, Jacob, how did this all, I want to hear about how this happened, you know? And it was so interesting. This is, this is what he said. He said, you know, pastor, it's because I started to listen. I listened in confirmation and I listened on Sunday mornings to your sermons. And that's what brought about knowing. That's what brought about going. And right now, the young man sitting over there, he's writing notes like crazy. (laughs) But the idea is that God uses preaching and teaching. Thanks for the encouragement, by the way, Jacob. But God uses preaching and teaching. God also uses church engagement. (laughs) He he uses this community of faith. And, And shame on us for taking it for granted. And again, I... I know that, that sometimes you can't be here. And I, I'm, I'm speaking especially to those at home today. I, I know that there's some of you that can't get out for medical reasons, health reasons, whatever else. But if you're not here because you're just lazy, shame on you. Shame on you. Th- thanks for being here today. As we come into a congregation, as, as we invest, praise God, it's that community and it's that engagement that is so important. And again, I know it's, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, but I do believe it enables us to grow. It puts us in an environment to grow with one another. And it helps us to be able to interact with people that we may not even really like that much, right? <laughs> I mean, not everyone here is everyone's favorite person. But you're sitting down at a coffee table. You're drinking coffee. You're having a cookie. You're in them. You're singing with them. And there's something about community that breaks down those barriers, that breaks down that animosity. There's something about community that does that. And we need to be here to experience that. The other way we're going to grow today... It's not just through worship. It's going to be through the Lord's Supper, through communion. We're going to do that in just a few moments. The idea of the Lord's Supper, it's that Lord's Supper literally is that spiritual feeding. It's that nourishment that we would have. And then I think we need to recognize that growth comes also through dying to self. Scripture repeatedly tells us that we are to die to self, that we must put to death those fleshly desires and those sinful lusts. Romans 6, 6 is one of the great examples of that, that we're called to put that to death. So today, dear friends, I pray we've accomplished two things thus far. We answered the question, why do I grow? And I think we've responded and answered the question, how do I grow? There are specific ways by which we grow. Number three then, this has to be the third question, what's it going to be? Am I growing? That's where I want you to think about that. Are you growing today? And in order to grow, we have to have some standard, don't we? And I, I love uh, the, the olden day pictures. I don't know if this happens as much anymore, but where you're, you have in the kitchen um, a, a, wall, a doorway, and as your kids grow up, what do you do? You stand them in that doorway, and you mark their head, and they love doing that. And they do that a couple times a year, maybe depending on how fast they grow. And it's just fun to see that, that, that growth, and, and even here, as I see uh, kiddos come, especially after a summer sometimes, it's like, wow, you've really grown. But the idea is that we need to have a standard of measure. And again, God doesn't leave us in the dark. He gives to us a standard of measure. And I think that that standard of measure can be found uh, in four different ways. Okay? Standard of measure, number one, is found in a text such as this, Second Peter chapter 1. Notice what, what Peter's saying here. He says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord 
Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, rather. And what I find intriguing about that is you say, well, what do you mean? What are those qualities, Pastor? Well, if you go back and look at chapter 1, uh, at verse 6 and 7, you're going to find out that those, those qualities are things such as this. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. That, that's what the apostle is talking about here. If those qualities are yours and are what? They are what? They are increasing. They're growing. They're not just sitting idle. They're not just shrinking. They are growing. That, that's, that's how we can evaluate. Are they growing in you? And I know that sometimes we, we're, we're, we lie to ourselves so easily we can convince ourselves about anything. <laughs> and you, me, see to go, oh, yeah, they're, they're growing. Uh, maybe a good test is don't, don't ask yourself this. Ask your spouse this. <laughs> ask your family, am, am I growing in these qualities? How, how are these qualities evidenced in my life? Second, second verse is this, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Love this. Notice it says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. What's this tell us? If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. So that phrase, walk in the light. What, what's it, what is it to walk in the light? I think number one is this. To, to walk in the light is a statement of acknowledgement that, that we are aware of how our sin grieves the Holy Spirit. That when our sin comes to light and we begin to understand that, that we recognize that our sin truly grieves the Holy Spirit of God. That, to me, that's what it is to walk in the light. And then, and then we recognize also that, that we need to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. That yes, we grieve the Holy Spirit, but we also need to be receptive to the Holy Spirit working and moving in our lives. And there's this idea then, I think, also that we have to be at a place to confess sin. That we acknowledge that we have grieved God. That we acknowledge that we have grieved the Holy Spirit. That we acknowledge that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that we would be at that place to come and confess that sin. And then lastly, I think walking in light carries with it a sense of what I call instant obedience. And what that means is that when we know God prescribes something, we what? Do it. Just do the thing, right? That's what it means. It doesn't mean to put it off. It means just do the thing. And I think how important that that is for us as we recognize that. And then, of course, probably my favorite standard is Jesus' standard. And he really makes it clear. He doesn't leave us much room to negotiate here. He says, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes will not be gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. (laughs) Again, this idea of, of fruitfulness and I, I challenge us, I challenge myself to, to look at the fruit of my life and the evidences of my walk with Christ and ask myself, myself this, are, are they present for one thing? And then secondly, I think, are they growing? Am I growing in my walk with the Lord? And far too often we are content to say, well, I don't know for sure. I'm pretty much where I was at last year, pretty much where I was at a year and a half ago. I don't think that's what God wants for us. In fact, I I know he doesn't. He wants us to be what? Growing. That is God's will for you. And I'm going to close a message today with an example also of something else that I think is a standard for us as we seek to measure our growth, but also something that can stimulate growth too. This is a picture 
of uh, Jacob and Breck Engel and their son Lewis. And the example I want to use today, the, the, the standard I want to use is the standard of crisis. And you've heard me say this before, and I, I know it's true in my own life too, that isn't it easy to walk with Jesus when things go good? I mean, when things are good and the uh, sun is shining and all this, it's just easy to walk with Jesus. But in all of our lives, and some of you are walking through this right now, there comes a time when the proverbial rubber hits the road, doesn't it? And things turn south, and things turn sour. Jacob and uh, Breck got married, and they had dreams of becoming missionaries. Uh, COVID came, they couldn't go overseas, they stayed in the States, some disappointment there. They became pregnant, which wasn't a disappointment, that's great, right? Just newly married, a year, within a year they were pregnant, awesome, and, and Lewis was born. Now, what's interesting about Lewis, and you might be able to see there on the, the screen. Yeah, you can kind of make that out a little bit. Lewis, two weeks after his birth, was diagnosed as only the 105th child born in the world. 105th in the world with what is called Antley-Bixler syndrome. Bottom line, Antley-Bixer syndrome is a syndrome, a genetic disorder that makes the face bones grow irregularly and, and crooked. And you can kind of see by Lewis's face. And what's required for treatment is tons of surgery, tons of therapy, years of work. But the doctor said, you know, I, th I, think, I think we're going to be okay with this. And of course, Jacob and Breck initially a little disappointed, right? This, this wasn't what they planned for. They were going to be missionaries. But you know, it's interesting. They came to the place of just embracing that life just as any other life. Unfortunately, as time went on, Lewis wasn't able to carry forth with all the treatments and some other things happened. And Lewis eventually died at age 14 months was reading an interview with Jacob and Breck, and they admitted, and they said, there were many times when we were mad at God. We, we were disappointed. And I, I couldn't understand how, how this Jesus, who could do anything, how Jesus would allow this to happen to our baby. But what I loved about that interview was this, as they said, every time they came to that place of questioning God and of being mad at God, God met them at that place and, and provided to them grace and peace. And, and what Jacob and Breck both said is that it was in this time of crisis that they grew in the Lord. It was in this time of crisis that they literally said they sensed heaven watching over them and God meeting them at that place of need. And I use that as, as my last example because I want us to recognize that sometimes it is a crisis in our lives that God brings about the growth. And oftentimes it's a crisis as a good measure by which we can measure our growth. How, how do we do under pressure? How, how do we do in that crisis? And, and my prayer today is this, is that whether it's a good time or whether it's a difficult time, that we would continue our growth in the Lord. And we would do so 
because it extends from last week's message as well. Knowing the Savior means growing in the Savior. Lord, I want to pray now your mercies upon this word and God, meet us at that place of need. I thank you for it and I pray that you would apply it to our hearts and to our lives and that, Lord, we would all be people, men and women, boys and girls, that are growing in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.